Hello, and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. I'm your host, MJ Doherty. Growing up, I lived in a world of dieters. The women whom I loved and surrounded myself with my whole childhood, all who were anything but fat, were absolutely obsessed with talking about weight and the diets they were on or about to start. Unbeknownst to them, this led to me forming very unhealthy ways of thinking about food. In many ways, I grew up considering food to be my enemy. It was something you had to keep at bay and work hard to minimize in life. For me, a good day of eating was when I barely consumed any calories at all. A bad day was a day where I ate. I would feel disgusted with myself, lay in bed shaming myself for eating, and then decide that tomorrow I will start a diet all over again. This was my relationship with food from as early as I can remember until, well, until my 30s. And while I was actually pretty fit most of my life, in the mirror all I saw was a fat guy. Then after a lot of turmoil and drama in life, I finally manifested that obese man I saw in the mirror into my reality. Now I really was a fat guy that really had no idea how to move forward because I didn't know anything about food and health. Fortunately, I was given an opportunity to be part of a documentary that was about losing weight. The day we started, I met this nutritionist who was there to help us lose that weight. Although I loved her instantly, I really wasn't buying that she knew what she was doing because she was cooking real meals. And they were very far from the chicken breast and steamed veggies that I knew was the only thing you could eat if you wanted to lose weight. After questioning her credentials and whether she understood that calorie restriction really was the only way to lose weight, she said very warmly to me, oh yeah, so how's that been working for you? This casual question changed the way my brain thought of food. How is that working for me? Well, nothing really seemed to have been working for me. So over the next couple months, she spent time helping me understand that food was about nourishing the body and what nutrition is. Things I actually never really was concerned about. She did in the end help me lose over 100 pounds, and although I did gain a lot of that weight back, the way she taught me to think about food and how to eat left major impacts on my life. Today, even though I gained a lot of weight, I still pack my body with nutrients, and because of that, I have great blood pressure, perfect cholesterol, my heart rate is great, and all that good stuff. As I've mentioned before, my doctor likes to say I'm the fittest fat guy he ever knew. Basically, she helped me give my body a fighting chance to deal with the weight that I have on me. And I know that while I still continue to try and conquer this weight issue that I struggle with, the nourishment that I give my body now, thanks to what she taught me, is going to help me be strong enough to finally reach that goal. Besides from being a compassionate, smart, and passionate woman who works with those struggling to live healthy lives, she has also become part of my family and a person who I cherish with all my heart. So today, as we head into the holidays, I thought it was a great time to bring my friend Heather Fleming of Conscious Nutrition onto the show to share some tips and positivity to those who may struggle keeping balance over the next few weeks. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you, MJ. I am beyond happy to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. So obviously when we do a show like this, it's a little, it's kind of weird because we're so close and it's just like having a friend over and, but that's also makes it kind of fun. So before we start and get into, you know, the questions that I usually go to. Tell us about who you are, where you're from, and all that stuff for people who don't know you as well as I do. (laughs) Well, I grew up in Nebraska and um, basically became allergic to Nebraska (laughs) in my (laughs) late 20s um, and then moved over here to Southern California. Little calling. I was like a mermaid trapped in a landlocked state. Yeah, so mermaids I, don't do well that? in cornfields. <laughs> it, was, it was like a, it was a little bit of a joke. But um, at a really young age, I developed a lot of food sensitivities and food allergies. Back then, before they were cool, I had, right. I really had, like I had legit ones. I when had, people told you to suck it up, suck it up, yeah, just suck it up. You're fine. Um, I remember starting to get acne at the age of nine. And my grandma was a nurse and they, and she looked at my forehead and she's like, oh, that's acne. And we called them my bumpies because I was so young still. And that was my skin just reacting to from food and inflammation. And I was on antibiotics, I believe, for about 12 years off and on, but mostly on for my skin and other, um, other digestive issues. So my... By age 15 or 16, I started to like shift my friend's nutrition. I go, hey, let's go eat out to eat here because my stomach feels better when I eat this. And of course, we were starting to get a little vain that around that time. It does happen at that time of life, yeah. <laughs> and so they would all let me choose where we got to eat. And I probably had every calorie memorized back then. And so lo and behold, 
I switched my major from business to nutritional science in like one semester. And that was my degree at the University of Nebraska. And then I moseyed over to California to practice more holistic approach because that was for sure um, my calling. Well, and, I, I imagine that nutrition and nutritionists in Nebraska probably have a very different uh, reality as they do in California. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the foundation was amazing. I love the science part, and I totally am so grateful for that. And also being sick. I was lucky that I didn't have a weight problem, but my whole family did. I was probably the only, there was only a couple of us that didn't in my whole family. and um, But I had the stomach issues. So I was lucky to have that, to become a nutritionist, to study the science, to now help people with their full relationship with food, not just eat this, not that. I mean, even though that's what I started out doing, right. now it's more comprehensive and joyful and totally living my passion. Well, and that's what this podcast is all yeah. about. So, okay, so you get to Southern California and you end up in San Diego, correct? Mm -hmm. San Diego, And yeah. you're in San Diego for years. Yeah, yes. And you start right away just taking on clients? Yep. I actually worked at an obesity clinic um, first. That was my first job three days after I got there. Oh, wow. And being a little... I was a recovering type A from Nebraska. If my friends know me, they'll relate to that. I was doing triathlons. I was trying to be perfect. I had this very similar obsession, obsessive mind thought around food that you described too. That's right. why I could see it so clear <laughs> when we met. I go, oh, we can't, we don't have to live like this anymore. <laughs> this obsessiveness and oh, starting Monday, I'm not going to eat this. And you wake up Monday and that's all you want. Right. It's that one thing, whatever it is, the list. That it was, it was creating. literally... Every I remember like middle school, high school, every night of my life laying in bed going, all right, well, tomorrow I'm going to start and I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat that, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to school, you're sitting at the, in the cafeteria and there's someone's like, oh, you want a cookie? And I'm like, OK. <laughs> and then, you know, you start that repeat the pattern over and over again. So, yeah, it's it's I know I'm not the only one. Nope, you're not. And um, so, yeah, that recovering type A woman came from from Nebraska over here to California and saw how happy people could be not being type A. And I went, oh, I'm in. Where do I sign up? But um, I didn't have a job for three days. But the third day I got this job after I moved here with an obesity clinic. I can't even remember the name of it. Um, but it was a bunch of people that did the lap band surgery and then gained oh, right. the weight back. Yeah. And so we were helping them. So I worked with this doctor and a great team. I learned a lot again. And then I went on to work with spinal cord injuries as a nutritionist and trainer. And then I worked for an integrative doctor. That was right then. I came at the perfect timing when a bunch of medical doctors were hiring a nutritionist in San Diego. So I worked with two of them. I would go back and forth to their offices and I would sit in with every client and learn so much. Um, and I would say that was my next big learning curve yeah. um, was, in, was with those clientele. Well, it's interesting. You have a, a really fun career because you're not tied down to a certain place. And if you know Heather, she's, well, she's kind of like a nomad. <laughs> she has, you know, her car is packed and she's, you never know where she is. The first question I ask her when I talk to her is not, how are you? Or what's going on? It's, where are you? Where are, because you never know. She's in, she can be in San Diego one day, then she's in New York doing something or somewhere in between. So the nice thing about your job is that you get to help people not just in one place. You're helping them all over the country and all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, last night, she was at my house doing a, a cooking demo for a lot of clients that were from Australia. Yeah. So yeah. Americans really think about struggles with weight and nutrition as an American problem. But it's it's a worldwide epidemic for people living in first world countries. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's so sad, but true where we're so worried about losing weight and not eating. You know, there are so many places in this world that people are worried about just getting enough to, to get through the day. And it's it's you know, that's a whole other topic onto its own. Like just. Yeah, I, I agree. Like seeing those vibrant kids that eat white rice every day and yeah. then we're scared of, and they're like joyful and, you know, living. So and then there's people like picketing about like white rice. Yeah. Right. And we because, have over here. Then I'm always like, oh, be careful. And, and <laughs> what I've learned about that is mm -hmm. it creates this um, mentality of confusion and kind of chaos because someone like me who has been on every diet who has learned so many different things even after you've taught me all that I know I still will go through the whole well, wait that's bad oh no why is it bad is this good bad good bad good and it's like this craziness that goes in your head and it, it makes it so difficult for people to 
Well, it just makes them exhausted. Exhausted. You get exhausted. And then, like, I give up that feeling. Right. I don't even care anymore. Like, we've all been there, like, with our computers. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh exactly. God, I'm going to walk away for a minute. I always, <laughs> I know this is so crazy, but you, you, you 80s kids will understand. Remember when you were playing a game on the Nintendo and you just kept losing over and over and over again and you just get so frustrated, you try to, like, break the controller because you want to cry? Like, that's how I feel a lot about my weight. Um, and it's funny because... I, we had um, Blake LRB on for the past two podcasts, and he talked a lot about as, as a personal trainer and stuff. I say all the time that I know that my journey with weight, yes, it has to do with right now, it has to do with making poor choices, eating and all that, obviously, but it is way more psychological. And I think that mm-hmm. one of the, the reasons I want to address weight and um, nutrition on this podcast is to let people realize it isn't just calories in, calories out. People aren't obese just because they're hungry all the time. Mm -hmm. There's so much more behind it. And this is why you are so good at what you do because Heather really believes in nourishing, listening to your body. And in fact, she's unraveling a whole program, which is about using your intuition. Mm -hmm. And and I think that is the missing key to everything in our society when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's such a problem for so many people. You spend so much time with people and helping them reach their goals, but it's got to be frustrating when you see the people that you've helped slide. Oh, you know. And, and mm. I want to point out that we did this documentary together, and there was four of us, and I was the smallest of all of them, but. Um, I still had significant amount to lose. And Heather taught us real things, like real smart ways to live a better life. And guess what? We all gained our way back. <laughs> all of us. And it had nothing to do with Heather. It had to do with the fact that we didn't address the elephant in the room, which was our self-esteem and mm-hmm. our personal issues that keep the food having this power in, in our life. But that happened to the four of us in this isolated experience that we had, but that must be common, and that's got to be tough. Well, um, I did do some self-reflection. You were part of that, too, because I'm like, wow, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, right? right. Like, I was like, oh, wait, I, but I thought we did a great job. And then for a year, you all of you kept it all off for mostly I kept a it year. off for a couple two, years. three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple years. Yeah. And then there's this thing called life. Right. And I even remember my own personal evolution when I realized, oh, nutrition is so dynamic and we're trying to make it static with all these diets and linear. It's very, they're trying to control with these linear programs, like eat this and you'll be great. But then when I recall, when I started to look at it, it's so dynamic. We all have new things we learn in our lives. Every seven years, our cells change and our hormones change. So that's why we have, we're like, whoa, what, where'd this body come from? So when the more I looked at it as a dynamic approach, I shifted my company for that too. And then I could be a, a nomad <laughs> and help people on the fly and on the go because that's reality instead of trying to put us all in this box. So seeing my clients shift only gives me more compassion for them and for myself, really, because how many guys have you seen me redate? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you already date him? I'm like, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Well, yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing that someone in your field needs to have is compassion because this is, it's such a personal struggle. Usually it's a lifelong struggle and it's tied to a lot of underlying shit. It's again, it's It's not just I'm hungry all the time. I had done so well on this documentary after it was done and I really incorporated everything into my life and, you know, fitness and everything. And then I fell. And both knees, I had injuries mm-hmm. on both knees, had to have mm-hmm. surgery. And at that time, one of my best friends in my life died. Mm-hmm. And I was there through that whole thing. And after that, well, I was depressed because my friend died. You know, this like friend who was so part of my life. But also, I couldn't run. I couldn't move. I had knees. My knees didn't hurt. or My knees hurt so bad every day. Mm-hmm. So... What did I do? I watched TV. I started eating. And then I became embarrassed because I started gaining weight because I, everyone knew I was on that documentary. So then I hit even more. Mm. And then more weight came on. And then it just spiraled to the point that I had to just fess up and be like, well, I gained the weight. It, mm. it happened. But again, it wasn't anything that anybody did. It was a whole series of events 
And the part that was the clincher was that I hadn't really come to terms with the mental things I needed to do and my relationship with food in general and what that means to me. And for me, it's comfort Mm, and it's shutting out. Like when I am overwhelmed, right. When I'm overwhelmed with life, I shut down, I nest in and that's when I gain weight. And it's not like I sit on the couch and eat pints and pints of ice cream or Mm -hmm. something. It's, but the less you do, the more it just comes on and, you know, the Heather would say this to me all the time. And I, everybody know, who knows me knows I'm stressed a lot. Mm-hmm. And what do you say when I say I'm stressed? She <laughs> says, stress causes. Three cor- pounds. Yeah, yeah, you know, Hormone. cortisol gets released into yeah. your system and then you're going to yeah. gain weight. Yeah. And, well, it's, I need to learn how to cope with my stress right. and I don't. Mm-hmm. So there's so many, there's so many, many things. variables, totally so many variables, so many variables. And it's how, as a nutritionist, how do you tackle individual clients knowing that everybody's so different and a lot of nutritionists think it's this blanket statement. Like this is what you do. Calories in calories out, period. That's all there is to it. But you don't do that. Mm-mm. And I would say that you would advise people if you go to see a nutritionist and they think that way run. to find another one, right? Run, run very right. So, fast. So tell us about that. How do you mm. how do you take on a client? What do you how do you address mm. them and, and figure out a plan, a course of action? My favorite is when my working with the client, they have a big sigh of relief when I get them out of their head and back into their body again. And I even I even remember yours <laughs> sitting there on the, the bar stool. Yeah. Yeah. This was again day three of the documentary. And this guy's already asked me, I think, three or four times what my credentials were. <laughs> Where he did, did you go to school? Oh my God. He is that mayonnaise? Uh, uh, and I was like, this bitch doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. Oh my God. He was my worst nightmare, everybody. Worst nightmare. And then <laughs> I looked over and I did the how's that working for you thing. But then the next day you were like, okay. I slept so great. I haven't slept like this for years, yeah. maybe even. He, oh, you guys, I could like see like his eyes for the first time. He wasn't inflamed and they weren't um, swelled shut. Like they were swelled shut oh, yeah. and they weren't inflamed. I could see his eyes. And he just goes, oh my gosh, I actually feel good. And I go, yeah, feeling healthy is more essential than losing weight. And I think that was even the first time for you to even like, real for that to really sink in. Yeah, You can't lose release weight until you're healthy. Well, I'd always heard, you know, my mom was a Weight Watchers girl and my aunts would go, they would all go. And Weight Watchers' big thing is they'll say, nothing tastes as good as fit feels. That's very abstract. Very. But Mm -hmm. that whole concept of nourishing my body was so foreign to me. And, you know, it may have just been me. I thought it may have just been me. But I've realized since then, it isn't. Mm -mm. People don't understand. People don't understand that calories aren't something that you could pick up and hold in your hand. Mm-hmm. That they don't exist. Good. I mean, Good. that to me was I. I yep. knew that. I mean, yep. you know, people don't realize that it's a mathematical yep. formula. formula. Like it's it's an an equal. Mm-hmm. There's such disconnect, and and mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, when you told me about that, about the nourishment and. And how feeling good it was. It was kind of life-changing because I never really thought about it. No. It was always like this, this struggle and force. And like with my clients now, like their homework is to moan over a meal. Like three times a week. Just not, you know, not every meal every day. But just kind of like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. Like that's my client's homework. <laughs> and they're like, I never thought that that would be part of my life. Like there's been this such a control around food. And usually when... We're controlling food. There's something in us that we're scared of and we're trying to not feel. Um, I'm a huge emotional eater. I love eating emotionally, but but I practice, and I think that's why I can teach it even now, is I practice feeling connected first before whatever it is that I'm emotionally eating, whether it's salmon to a salad to beautiful chocolate or whatever. Right. It's this like, oh, wow, I'm emotionally stressed or feeling things, but let's try to connect first to that emotion and then enjoy the food. Because food is passion and part of every gathering. When Absolutely. have you not gone to a gathering and not had food? And the people that control it and are a little too linear are usually just in their physical body. And right. we're not physical. We're not just physical beings. We're emotional beings. Like if if you're not an emotional being, just stop the podcast. Right. <laughs> Don't listen. <laughs> Don't listen. <laughs> and it's a good point that you make that those people. Last week I talked about how when you're really trying to be 
be good, mm-hmm. right? And you're trying to like diet or whatever. And then you have people around you that try to pull you down. Yeah. And that happens a lot because people are uncomfortable that you're doing something that they may think that they should be doing too. And they're projecting on you. But then there's another extreme where there's people that are so over the top that yes. they won't eat. They bring their own food. And that makes you uncomfortable too because you think, yeah. oh my God, like live your life. Like have a piece mm-hmm. of cake. The world is going to spin. The sun's going to come up. You know what I mean? You're going to be fine. And that was the thing that was interesting about you is her philosophy during this was take two cups of vegetables, put on your plate first, and then if you want to stick a piece of cake on top of it, fine. But eat that cake with those two cups of vegetables because that will give your body the nourishment that will help it be able to counteract the crap that you're putting on top of it. That, to me, like blew my mind. It's not about what we ate always. Because I hope to have a brownie when I'm 98 with my girlfriends. Like, right. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, I'm sorry, guys, <laughs> ladies, yeah. I'm not going to partake. It's when we eat the brownie or the cake, what our body really needed was actually some more vitamins and essential minerals. So we're right. actually then depleted and malnourished. And that's what I thought of when I yeah. started working with, with obese clients. I go, oh, cool. They're just malnourished. I had no stress over it. That was, that was just my first philosophy. I'm like, oh, good. I get to feed them. And then we named... That was yeah, the name. <laughs> the documentary, which we are not suggesting you go watch. There's, but, there's been lots uh, of versions yeah, of we, it. it um, it's, it's, we don't even know exactly what it is right now. Um, it's not being released, so it's not even a big deal. But yeah, it was called Feeding Obesity yeah. because the only way to beat it is to feed it. And we were going after the biggest loser of all of this restriction. And like biggest loser people were falling like flies to, you know, just like not healthy and having yeah. issues. So we were, the goal was to counteract that. And even during the documentary, we were like, "Uh uh-oh, we're missing more of the uh, psychology. So we brought in other experts in to bring, to help support with that. Because it is so dynamic and so much larger than just, oh, I ate a brownie. Uh Uh-oh, I'm wrong. You know, that guilt and shame is what drags you down. And then I went and became a self-righteous eater. Oh, for sure. I was a clinical nutritionist. So, of course, I'm going to be self-righteous and eat raw foodist. And then I was like, wait, (laughs) my social life sucked. Yeah, I was going to say. It sucked and I wasn't happy those months. And so I'm like, wait, I'm in charge of this. I'll find my own balance. So I love that I went and learned all the science because for my own personal well-being and to teach, to share and teach. But it's your own relationship you're constantly creating, just like you do with a spouse or significant other or your family or money. It's just yeah. another relationship that you're looking at um, and not trying to control. Well, and, and the, the control thing is really what boils down to the make or break point because you can control it. If you control it too much, you're going to be extreme. And if you don't control it enough, you're going to be extreme. So you have to learn how to find this balance. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing that, I use as my philosophy is an emotion. Don't let the high be too high. Don't let the lows be too low. Keep in the middle. Well, in food, in, in everything in life, don't take it to one extreme or the other. Keep it in the middle because it creates balance. And I clearly have shifted that balance a bit in the, in the, the recent years. But the one thing I know is true and accurate about what you taught is as long as you're still punching some good stuff down your throat so your body has a fighting chance. Mm -hmm. Health really is the most important thing. And yet having an extra 75 pounds on you is not good for your body, but my body's still running really well. Mm -hmm. So I know that the damage that I'm doing is less than it would have been if I also wasn't shoving the good stuff in my mouth Mm -hmm. too. So you would have been on a whole nother fork. Right. And you know, when I had been, heavy like this before I looked very different than I do now mm-hmm. um so it's a different kind of thing because my body has changed and shifted a bit and I still have moderately good health actually I do have good health mm-hmm. it's hard for people to understand when they see that I'm a heavy guy but I'm actually pretty darn healthy mm-hmm. um because I know that my weight has to do with a lot of other things mm-hmm. and that's the next part do you think that <laughs> As a nutritionist, you really should also get like a degree uh, given to you for as a counselor, (laughs) because I feel like like a hairdresser or, you know, a bartender, a nutritionist is they you start talking and everybody dumps every deep, dark thought they ever had on you. Mm How is that? Like How how do you not bring that on you constantly? (laughs) Um. 
doing a lot of my own self-education and my own little retreats yeah. too. So psychology is like probably the number one thing I'm studying on the side, actually. All the little seminars or self-help things or um, little workshops that I do. Learning, with, learning um, working with obesity, I learned that it's a lot of people had emotional and physical abuse at mm. a young age. And the body is smart. <laughs> it want, it'll make you feel safe no matter what. It'll put on that 20 pounds in a month if it didn't, doesn't feel safe because it's this feast or famine, fight, or, fight, flight, or, flight. fight yep. or flight. So there's that's the, the main word to look at. What What's going on? Why aren't they feeling safe? So um, yes, I do hear a lot of stories. Um, there's been a few that I would have to take some moments, like another 30 minutes or an hour to meditate wow. afterwards um, that are really like disheartening and how they're even functioning. I'm like, you know, that thank goodness they only put on 80 pounds. Like, I don't even know how they're functioning in the world. So, and you know, some people take life's challenges and manifest it in different ways. Mm-hmm. People drink, people gamble, yep. people have sex, mm-hmm. people shop. shop, shop is huge. There's so many, and then some people eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem that I find with the, with eating, and this is something that I'm really passionate about, and I, I believe that. As my career takes off and I do better in life, I hope that this is something I can really bring to the forefront of culture. But I really believe that in food addiction, I believe food addiction is 100% real. Mm -hmm. I believe that the foods that we eat, our body doesn't even recognize as food. (laughs) Um, And it has so many mutations and chemicals in it that our body becomes addicted to that food. 100%. And... When you have emotional and mental reasons that you fall back on food as a comfort thing and then you become addicted to it, it's a double whammy. Because we need to eat. Right. <laughs> you don't so need to shop. <laughs> it, it's, it's very hard mm-hmm. for people to get out of it mm-hmm. and then put on top of the fact that if you shop a lot or you drink a lot, well, drinking a lot, okay, you can. this doesn't really fall into that category, but... You're ashamed so bad if you're obese. No one has ever looked at a skinny, skinny person and thought you're disgusting. Mm -hmm. But as an obese person, you're looked at that way every day. I drop this at at dinner parties. I drop this line all the time and it shifts the energy because everyone's like, ugh. If they say, oh, you know, you work, I work, you know, with obese clients with obesity and they'll go, oh, they just need to, you know, eat eat less and exercise more. And I'm not getting like when I think I've heard this in the last couple months even. And I go, oh, you know, it's interesting you say that. I don't believe that anymore because I would say eight out of 10 are sexually, emotionally or sexually abused under the age of 12. <laughs> the whole dinner party just, oh. I, Woo. it changes. <laughs> yes. Cause I'm like, don't you be projecting on these beautiful people that are looking so deep inward. Um, and there's so much more going on so than just more. so much more going on. And this shame and guilt thing, like mom shaming, even like on Facebook, I hear I'm not a mom, but I hear they shame. Oh, I can't believe you parent like that or something like this shaming thing is just not at all what we need to do. I think personally, even with your recent, you know, weight fluctuation, you're going to only have more compassion in the world. Like, right. really, I only believe that even when I started working with obesity, my body shifted a little bit and gained 10 pounds because it was really a lot to take on for me. Um, and it only gave me more compassion for myself too. Yeah. Think and turning 40. Well, <laughs> Hormones change. Yeah, but she turned 40 and people, she still gets carded. So I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I haven't been carded ever. <laughs> um, it's just weight issues are just so real and they're so hard for people. And the, the hardest part is even when you are at the weight that you want to be, most people are never Still satisfied critical. anyway. Oh my God, right? When right. we look back at pictures of ourselves, we're like, of oh course. my gosh, I, my I saw mind. That, there's a meme that went around that I loved and it, it mm. my friend Katie Mercury sent it to me because it was so ush. It said, um, oh, I wish it was the same weight that I was when I first thought <laughs> I was, I was fat. fat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, story oh, of my life. I love it. And what? How, who's the most critical person? To oh, ourselves. Ourselves, like, yeah. If we watch our own little thought cycle, that little thought wheel, 
Um, we're the most critical. No one else can be more critical. I, I will say, though, and, you know, this is what I was really, I really respected Blake bringing this up mm. um, in his podcast. He talked about a woman that he trained who was severely obese also. And there is something to be said about critical and how we view ourselves the worst. But also when you do cross a line and wait, people feel like they have the right Ooh. to shame you. And he he brought up the fact that she said when she goes on a flight, she knows people mm, are like, please, I, I hope I don't sit I next that. to them. And that really does happen. Yep. I don't know if I've told this before, but I was recently at a bar, the bar that we went to on my birthday. It's this British oh, bar yeah, that I love, I love that down in Santa, Santa Monica. And this gaggle of girls come in. I'm not even going to call them women. Okay. They were like late 20s, but acted like it was their behavior was terrible. So they come in loud, like just drunk, obnoxious. And this girl pushes up in between me and this other woman to get a drink. And she's trying to get the bartender's attention. Mm -hmm. And I had been standing there and I had my money in my hand. And so the bartender comes over to me because I was there first. And she puts her hand out and she goes, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, females before fat males. And. Oh, my God. It was just so obnoxious, but I knew that she thought it was funny and people laughed because they feel it's okay to take these liberties. I will have to give that bartender credit. He flipped out and kicked her out. So that was nice. Are you serious? Thank you, bartender. Oh my God, I just got goosebumps. Um, I'm so sorry that happened. It's just, but these are the things that happen. And, you know, you know, people just say you, you don't, you feel like you can't eat out. Because people are looking at you going, have another bite, fat ass. You hear them say it. It happens. So this is the struggle that people go through when they are really obese or they really have weight issues because they hate themselves, but then they know everybody else hates them too. Mm -hmm. And that's why finding those people that have compassion Mm -hmm. towards them is so important because if you don't feel you have someone who understands you and really has your back, you're never going to be okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why for you, it's so, you're so good at what you do because you have, you don't have a judgmental bone in your body (laughs) and your (laughs) compassion is oozing out of you. Sometimes almost a little too much, you know, (laughs) sometimes I want to be like, no, Heather, stop being nice. I'm just having a real bad couple of fat days and I'm out of control. (laughs) I like. Even with um, this this judgment around food, I went to a paleo conference in October and a vegan conference in November. And of course, both diets are right. And I teach, of course, this balance and Buddha, the middle path, everyone, you know, like I've even had a friend who's a compassion coach. I'd actually almost consider myself a compassion coach with food more than even, even though I am a clinical nutritionist, but a certified one. Um, But what um, I heard the compassion woman was like, well, the most compassionate way to eat is vegan. And they're just in their ways. And, and I go, well, no, I started giggling. I go, that's judgment. So right. that's exact opposite of compassion. And it was like, oh, wow. And so even when we crave pizza and donuts, I just sit, I don't even have a judgmental bone in my body anymore. Like I, the last time I craved a donut was on Easter morning after I'm I'm gonna call bullshit on this what? one because last night <laughs> oh, the I last thing she I said before she went to bed she goes so we having donuts in the morning <laughs> <laughs> I did I did but I didn't go get the keys for this one on Easter morning I was like what I was out late the night before I was gonna meet you for brunch but we ended up not doing it I, and my body was craving a donut and I grabbed my keys I'm like okay I gotta practice what I preach and go get this donut. And then I actually didn't judge it, totally acceptance. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I actually kind of just miss my grandma's. It was really just like a mis- nostalgia yeah. thing. But if I would have judged it and like pushed it away and I'm the worst nutritionist in the world, I would have never had that moment of missing my grandma's. I right. didn't go get the donut that day. I'm sure I had some honey in my tea or something yeah. instead. But don't don't be so critical of it. Just well, also, look, though, if you, if you don't, if you just roll with it, it's a donut. You had it. You move on. If you leave it there, it will fester into this like donut that's going to eat you until you go and eat a box. It's, yep. Back to obsessive and control. We all know there's all every single one of us has a little rebel in oh, us. Totally. <laughs> and she's always tapping on me. She's like, aren't you? Are you sure? And or how would you talk to your seven year old rebel? Do you condemn her and damn her? No, you go. Oh, what do you need? Oh, really? 
well, let's chat about that. Right. You have like, you open a dialogue with it. So yeah. that's what I think we need to do with sugar and pizza. And even this vegan paleo self-righteous, you know, new movement. Um, neither of you have been hungry, vegans and paleos. Right. <laughs> Right. You're really hungry. hungry you'll, you'll be very eat. gracious for what you need. We've well, been hungry it's, before. Totally. <laughs> and it's it's funny that you um bring up the different diets and how people say this is the only way, this mm-hmm. is the right way, this is the right way. I look at diets like I look at religion. Mm. Okay? So mm. one is not better than the other. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you believe or what you think. And if you think that, then you don't get the the pro- the, the whole purpose of one may be better Religions. for the other for you right that's now. That's the point. Is but not forever. If it wait. works for you, yeah. that's great. But wait. See but what it's your about body... you. Yeah. Not about other people. So don't don't shame, preach, force anything down someone else's throat. This is a personal choice that you make for yourself. So if ve- if you like being a vegan, it works for you. Good. Great. Run. Why do you have to convince someone else? Mm-hmm. Because if you have to con- convince someone else. You're not really convinced yourself. Mm. And it's this living in L.A. is hard because people are, I mean, obnoxious doesn't even cut it when it comes <laughs> to the opinions of how you should mm-hmm. eat. And, I mean, you walk up and down the streets and there's vegan. Now it's um, keto. Yeah. Keto oh, yeah. diet that's like Ketogenic. huge. Yeah. Yeah. And there's you yeah. just go to restaurant, paleo, and it's just these diets. It's It's fascinating. But. What I find hard about those kind of mentalities is it's still putting you into this funnel of only this road. And if Mm -hmm. you fall off. Yep. Fall off. Then what? So it's all about knowing that there are many roads and avenues to choose and that if you fall, get back up and keep going. Totally. And like we were saying with Blake last week. Uh, I used this weirdest analogy about knitting a sweater, which I don't know why I used. But... You know, if you are knitting a sweater and you make a mistake at the cuff of the sleeve, you're not going to take the whole thing right? apart Ooh, good, and start good over analogy. again, right? Good analogy. But in diets and in food, and this is what you do, you fall off and you're like, well, I screwed up, so I might as well go crazy today and eat everything you could possibly eat. And then, well, I screwed up now, wait till Monday. And then, oh, I'll wait till next week. Well, the first yep. is coming up. Yep. This is what you do. And this is the the struggle that for most people who have weight issues, they deal with all the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel yep. like that kind of cycling comes from the same kind of mentality as you have to be this or you have to be that or this is the only diet that works or this is the lifestyle you have to choose. All those concrete things are dangerous. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things that Heather did with us when we first were doing the documentary is she gave us this chart about food combining. Mm, yeah. And she said, you know, sometimes your body may want no meat because it needs a break. So you want to do, you you just do on this side of the tree, which is, you know, no meats and stuff. But then sometimes... Vegetarian. Right, vegetarian. Vegan. Right. <laughs> one side's vegan, one side's paleo. Right. And how to go back and, and how to go back and, and forth. Yeah. And it wasn't one... Or the other, it was how to navigate both. And the number way to choose is to feel into your body. And no one's doing that. Everyone's, we're all been sucker punched with our bodies. And so we jump into our logical brain to go back into how to be more critical (laughs) around it. So that's the next thing I want to talk about. So you are, you know, your conscious nutrition is is the name of your business. And that's the, you can find out all about her by going to consciousnutrition.com. And Best she, name. Such a good name. Yes, I'm so great lucky name. that I got that. And she, but she's moving in this new direction. And especially I think in 2018, it's yep. going to, you're going to be really going deep into this. And I think mm-hmm. it's very important. Um, and it's like in, intuitive nutrition. Totally. A, what do you call it? Intuitive variant? I'm intuitive playing variant. with names to be determined, but I TBD. called it um, intuitive variant. I said it one time because I was so annoyed of all the self-righteousness going on. And people going, oh, you're not. A- oh, someone said this to me. You're not a real nutritionist because you're not vegan. And I looked at them and I go, um, I'm better than that. I'm an intuitive arian. <laughs> and it flew out of my mouth. And so I bought intuitivearian.com right. <laughs> <laughs> that day just to be like, well, don't tell me. So tell us yeah. what it is and why it's important. You know, like, because I've been doing nutrition now for I don't, I, you know what, I get so annoyed when people say how many years they do their job. I don't know why that annoy me, but I've been doing it since, I'll say, nine when I got the bumpies on my forehead because I actually started food combining then. 
That's wow. when I knew my stomach only felt great, like this and this. I'd always be kind of like, let me eat this first on the plate. My grandma would tease me too. She goes, you don't eat all... She would always have her fork have all the bites. Oh, right. And I would always eat one first and then the next is how my stomach would do, do yeah. well. So I've been doing this for a while and I just keep seeing... Like my favorite part is the relief people get when they just go, oh, I get it. Like when you got it. That was just so beautiful. That's like the whole reason I do my job. Not to tell people to eat more vegetables because that's really boring. Right. <laughs> but to be like this like, oh, wait, I feel what you're saying. When they like go, oh, I got it now. I know what I need. That's my whole, um, that's my joy. So we have this wisdom, right? We were back in the day, hunters and gatherers. And there would be days we couldn't eat, right? There was, we didn't have find the kill <laughs> or we didn't find, um, we didn't get to harvest some of the vegetables or something or plants. So there's this rhythm our body has. And if we just quiet our mind a teeny bit, we'll hear it. We'll hear that. Oh, you know what? Today, I don't want chicken. I want a sweet potato. Instead of the paleo people, you know, damning sweet potatoes or beans or lentils. There's been a lot of cultures <laughs> that lived on those. Right. <laughs> so I'm always but, like, yeah. I'm always scared when we start to condemn a food. I'm always like, oh, be careful. It's been around for a while. So you, when you start to look at your own personal rhythm you feel liberated. You go, oh, you know what? There is a few days a month where I crave sugar. Oh, no big deal. I'll have some dark chocolate handy. And But instead of being powerless to the food, so you take the power back, you're feeling connected. I use my cute little food tree to help people kind of play with different combinations. Mm -hmm. So you discover your own rhythm. So... Well, I think it's putting power back in your hand. Exactly. So and... giving food the power. Like the donuts don't have the power. I feel... I 100% trust myself when I want a donut. Right. Just to use donut or pizza. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm in full trust right now. Instead of this, I didn't before. And so then I would feel guilty, which is, I think in the Hawaiian culture, the worst sin. It's like against the law to feel really? guilty because you're being irresponsible. Then you're not taking responsibility for yourself. So you're just using guilt. Interesting. And so I think it was a crime. I don't know. I got to research that. But it makes so much sense. Yeah. Oh, I'll just choose to feel guilty. Well, no, that means that I didn't trust myself. I'm not going to, excuse me, let any of these gray-haired old man researchers tell me what to eat anymore. <laughs> right. I just sat in that <laughs> seminar and all of them were 100 pounds overweight. Yeah. <laughs> and I love their minds. They taught me a lot of science, but there's a disconnect in their own bodies. So right. take advice from people that you go, oh, wow, you have such a good relationship with food. Right. You're not, you know, damning it. You're not praising it. You're not, oh, I don't want to eat that because I'm too good for it. Like, that's like, who wants to be friends with that person? Well, it's also like when you, if you get like a personal trainer and you want to be a certain way, you're going to want a personal trainer that looks the way you want to be because you want to get to that place. You know, if they don't look like the way you want, you're going to be like, well, I don't trust that they know what they're doing or they're, they're disconnected or, you know, a lot of things like that. You don't want, you know, to go to a school that doesn't have yeah. the reputation for, the major you want to be in, that's not great because why would you go? So it, yeah, you, it, there's, it's a good point of really practicing what you preach. And so other people can see that and it helps them trust you. And I remember that what I was wearing the day that I liberated myself. Absolutely. Oh, wow. I was, I was at one of the doctor's offices washing the dishes and this Nebraska girl went on her first fast ever. <laughs> I didn't even know how to fast. I was like, I, I'm fasting because the day before the doctor handed me the Wall Street Journal, and it said on the front page, broccoli cures cancer. And then he goes, and I was like, okay, cool, you know, whatever. And he goes, no, flip the page. Then I'm not kidding you, the article behind was broccoli caused cancer. And as a type A recovering, coming off my recovering nutrition, I'm like, that's it. I don't know what to tell people to eat anymore. I give up. I like surrendered. And so I went on my, I'm not eating. <laughs> and so I was washing the dishes while everyone was eating. And I remember what I was wearing. And I remember going, wait a second. Who, why am I giving the power away to the newspaper? Right. Why am I giving the power away to this doctor or to this person? I go, I'm going to figure out myself. And I started that little chart that turned into the food tree that my friends helped me draw. But it was this cute little chart. And I'm going to go, okay, you guys, just experiment with this and see how you feel. And then I started my own business. That was it. That was like I had clients coming in and I was like, oh, I think I'm on to something. Yeah. Let's just experiment and find our edges. And that's what I did with you all too. Like we had a week of comfort eating. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted them to have like reality when they went out in the world. Like I'm like, okay, you're going to crave mac and cheese. You're going to crave, what do we all love? Tuna casserole. Yeah. <laughs> Noodle she casserole. Made, she made 
chicken salad. Chicken and salad that with was mayonnaise. The, yeah, with mayonnaise. That was the first day. And I was yeah. like, you, this bitch doesn't know what you're doing. <laughs> because they're all coming off fast food. So they are addicted to sugars, salts, and fats. And so I was like, okay, I need to give them something with those. Uh, I think you put grapes in it for yep. the sweet. So I did yep. those three things. There was a si- little science behind there. So I was giving their chemistry what they already were craving but it was in a different form a little more alkaline form or a little right. more health conscious and none of them could eat all the food i would serve them too that was my other strategy i would overfill their plates so mentally they didn't feel deprived right yeah which to me is a big deal because <laughs> i've talked about before i would rather starve myself for two days and then be able to sit down and have a huge portion of something it's just it's how yeah. my brain works i'm like I, I think that's our middle middle america yeah I'm, yeah I'm a big eater too we like to have like, those big meal, meals i do too i do too so this idea of being in tune to your body mm. is obviously it's it's actually so common sense <laughs> and yet i think everything in our culture tells us to not listen to ourselves and listen to everybody else mm-hmm. which is sad mm-hmm. uh, and i talk all the time about mm-hmm. when it comes to you know life's lessons and failures and issues is listen to what your body and what your mind tells you to do because your intuition is usually spot on i mean i hope to not have a job anymore I hope everyone figures out their own nutrition. I'll right. go become a professional hula hooper or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, game on, everyone. You got it. Like, I don't want them to need me to be their expert. I want to t- help guide them to be the expert of them. That's the next phase of the program is like, ooh, what's this process look at? Like, what does it take to experiment with yourself? Because we're, I've shifted. I am more vegan now but if i go too long <laughs> i went and made liver twice because i went too long and my i could wow. feel mm-hmm, i started to go a little too anemic and i'm like oh that's not right for me and so it's it's a constant like sailing you chart your course right that's my favorite analogy you chart your course and then you have life happen you don't know everything your body does we have to just shut our heads up and listen to those little subtle cues it's constantly giving us and I think the one thing I also want to keep harping on, because I don't think we think about this enough, there's nothing more important than making sure our body gets what it needs. Without it, we're dead. (laughs) We're done. So you're never going to achieve that goal. You're never going to have that relationship. You're not going to be the best mother. You're not going to be the best father because you're sick. You're dead. Yeah. You have to have to take care of yourself. And that does not mean skinny is healthy and fat is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So people need to remember that stuff. So, okay, before we uh, start wrapping up here, because she's a very busy woman and she has another interview after this today. So. I'm, so, I'm so LA. Uh, she's so LA. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up this part of the program that you did with us. And, mm. and I don't know how people can do this, but I think it's a really good tool for if you're going to try – to see what's going to work for you. Mm. She has this reset program that it was like three days and you ate, you know, specific things and it was structured. But what it did was it helped your, like helped you get rid of the crap in your system. That was fun. Jumpstart. I called it a jumpstart. Right. And help open up. So what do you think about those kind of things? Do you think it's good for people to do those kind of like cleanses or jumpstarts or whatever it is? And, and then maybe, Start listening more Good because question. if you just jump into okay today I'm gonna listen to my body and my body is going pizza hut, <laughs> making pizza? it great like you know so how do you totally you're totally right um nourishment first so my next process is three phases it's three weeks and nourishment's phase one so okay. I over added in food for you all like I didn't care if they gained weight I think I even said that yeah. the first week I go oh you guys all might gain a pound by, by the, way, the way I lost 11 they all, <laughs> they all lost and I was like okay never mind I guess I don't <laughs> know what I'm doing but I didn't care if they did because I wanted them to not crave the fast food like there was one meal I served to someone one of the participants and it had four eggs in it a whole avocado because he was so malnourished like I just looked at him and watching him eat it he looked healthier in like five seconds after right. eating it so phase one of what my process is nourishment and then phase two is experiment I love these experiments go go try being a raw foodist or vegan for three to seven days under some structure you vibe with. Right. It's this extreme all or none that, oh, I'm going to be like this forever. And then you're missing the subtle cues of, um, hey, you, I'm, which one doesn't, oh, ketogenic doesn't let fruit in or whatever. And all you needed was a mango three days ago, but you right. ignored the mango and now your body's 
you know, magnesium deficient or, you know, selenium deficient. And it is amazing how your body will tell you what it needs. Yeah. yeah. I remember that I did with the friend who I was talking about who passed away. We did that, that master cleanse. I've done it a couple times and it's an extreme thing that I actually don't suggest doing. Yeah. But I remember all I wanted was corn on the cob. I wanted to like, Mm. I didn't want, I wasn't craving burgers or fries or anything like that. I wanted corn. I could not get Huh. corn out of my mind and the first thing i did after i broke that fast eat is i couldn't eat enough corn yeah so interesting it's starchy my body must have needed something yeah. that had corn I, or totally you know another time i did it it was like an avocado like i just was yeah. focused on avocados the weirdest things but they were like this is what i need and obviously that's your body saying it needs something yeah like the experiment phase is my favorite um but you're right find some balance first do some nourishment first don't go straight into a cleanse. Oh my gosh, people that have the last supper uh-huh. and then go and do the master cleanse the day before, next the next day. I'm like, oh. My cousin Jamie used to <laughs> oh. say, my cousin Jamie used to go, oh, I love when you go on diets because the day before is so fun. Because <laughs> I would supper. be like, I'm going to grab a bottle of wine. We're going right? to get Chinese. We're going to watch Desperate Housewives. And then I'm starting tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and so why don't we give ourselves this pleasure all the time. I see that with a lot of my female clients too, that they're, that work very um, more masculine jobs. Let's just say lawyer, something like that. They're very, have to be in their left brain. Oh, there we go. Left brain all week. And then on the weekends, they're like, oh, I just want to go. That's for everybody. It's not right. just with that, but I see that in a constant pattern. And I go, mm, why don't you give yourself like a bubble bath and some goat cheese on Tuesday instead of waiting till Saturday to get everything you've been desiring in right. on one day. Because there's a desire. The, yeah, but that. also when you do that, you end up feeling sick and like crap then for another day. Or more. Three. So, yeah, so it's, it's like, like a it's a balance. Um, and speaking of balance, we are starting this holiday season <gasps> off. I and, love it. Um, it's a hard time for people to find balance Correct. because mm-hmm. there's parties galore and it is the season to overindulge. Mm-hmm. So we talked about your programs that are, yep. that's going to be released in 2018 yep. in the new year. And at the end, I want to make sure that you give people the information so right. they can look into that. Cause I think it can change lives. Thank you. But right now I want you, if you can <gasps> give a couple tips of how people should go ahead and tackle this holiday season. So they still get the full experience but they don't, they don't get into the mentality, well, I'll start January 1st. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to do that either. You don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole. So what are good tips and tricks to mm. think about while going into the holiday seasons? Thank you. My friend just did, said something so profound to me. She goes, there's that obsessive thinking that you and I are <laughs> really professionals at. Then she goes, <laughs> what about the passive? Just like, ah, fuck it. You know, I'm just not going to worry about it till yeah. January 1. And I was like, oh, man, that's just as destructive. And oh. I just, like, got this light about it. It's, it's next week's blog, probably. Um, but there's this passive way, too. What's it going to take for us to take that responsibility and go, you know what? I deserve nourishment right now, whether it's two sips of a vegetable juice. Like, it's not yeah. this, like, that extreme thinking is, like, waking up on Monday morning, climbing Mount Everest every right. Monday morning. So you're screw- you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. Perfect word, right? Yeah. How many times have we all set ourselves up for failure? And so every day of my life. <laughs> so Monday morning, you're like, I'm climbing Mount Everest, and it's noon, and your hair's a mess, and you're disgruntled. And you're you like, not gotten I'll any- do it tomorrow. Yeah, you haven't. Your list is just sitting there, and you're like, oh my god. Right. So figuring out how to set us up for our own selves up for success is playing this fun mind game. I only. Not only, more often than most now, I laugh at myself. I'm like, oh, wow, that was really, that was way off. You know, like this laughter at myself instead of this critical person, this personality. So watch your mindset. Be careful if you're too passive and you're too obsessive. So if you're going to that, your work holiday party, don't be like, oh, screw Screw it. it. I'm going to go balls in. Mm -hmm. But also eat eat that candy or eat that cake. Have something. Enjoy. Have a couple drinks. But maintain the balance. I even just did a blog about um, a study where they gave a hundred and some women a piece of cake and a glass of water, and half and within four minutes they had to eat it, or it was a donut. It actually was a donut. Excuse me. And then um, half the group got told, "Oh, don't worry, everyone's doing it. You know, we're all that's part of the study." So they were like, "Oh, like they had this compact, and they were all on a right. restrictive diet." They were plan relieved. Too. They were relieved. The other half was not told this, so then they got to go eat candy. 
the ones that were not allowed, like that were told that compassionate um, um, it's okay. words that it's okay, ate forty percent less candy. Wow, forty to seventy. Because the power was taken number. away. The power was taken away. Yeah, it's amazing, it's amazing. how we do this. In so our we brains. do it to ourselves. Yeah, do it to ourselves. So going into the Christmas party, you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, that means you're gonna just do it. You're just sitting there giving all your power away the food. So I'm a huge, huge fan of just taking that five deep breaths because that calms our nervous system. It gets us out of fight or flight. Right. So we go from sympathetic to parasympathetic. So we go into the party more connected and calm, and we're not like needing the food to ground us, which I we all get yeah. food to ground us and give us that comfort and that <sighs> that relief. So do your five deep breaths. Be careful of the thoughts going on in your head. Um, enjoy. Um, a couple other secrets is herbal tea or lemon water or a protein shake before you go in. Give yourself hydration. Okay. Usually there's, um, or veggie juice too. There's usually, most of us are borderline dehydrated. So that hydration. Huh, I thought you were going to say, most of us are borderline alcoholics. <laughs> so make sure you have something in your stomach. That's really that what I thought awesome. you were going to say. <laughs> build a base. I'm going to need you to build a base right? For you. <laughs> because a bottle of red wine will probably be going down over the course of the party. We don't have any experience over this. No. Um, actually, I believe so my funny. words this morning were, oh my God, we actually didn't like get hammered last night. Good job. <laughs> I, we don't get hammered. We just, we have, we do like to share our bottles of wine. We had some together. red wine and decorate the tree. It and, it could, and I made, I had a cooking show, so we had three gorgeous soups that couldn't have worked oh, out perfectly. They were they, so good. I'm told, I was impressed. I tried three brand new recipes off the cuff and oh, they worked so out good. so great. So Because you know how to make cuisine with real foods Food. that have natural flavor. Yeah. Which means it's going to taste amazing. We felt so supportive. Yeah. Right? It was so, oh, so good. Even going into the the holiday party or just be like, oh, what do I need to feel more supported today? Yeah. Because we all start to go down the rabbit hole. Like, oh man, I had sugar on Thanksgiving. I had two pies or two pieces of pie. I had a leftover one for breakfast. And now you crave sugar for 72 hours. So instead of damning the sugar craving go oh you know what these next 70 these next three days i'm gonna have a little more sugar craving i'm gonna have some honey handy i'm gonna get a mango or a persimmon um i'm gonna support myself with that sugar craving right instead of trying to push and, like, it down come off of it and come off of it in a natural, natural way, way. Yeah. don't try to go cold turkey uh, yeah, the other thing about holiday parties which i mm. always did try to keep in my mind there's always you know, there's always terribly delicious foods, but there's also like healthy, delicious yeah, foods. Always, yes. So I always hit those first. Totally, totally. And eat those first. Mm-hmm. And then I cap it off with the stuff yeah, that I love that's yeah, terrible totally. for you. Yep. Don't go right for the cheesecake. Yeah. You know, like yeah. have the veggies and the, totally. the cheese and crackers and stuff first, you know, and then and then go. Yep. And though a lot of people would say cheese and crackers aren't good, but you know, if they're real well, cheese and yeah. it's, you know, if it's yeah. real, if it's real foods versus, you know. I don't know. A lot of European cultures are eating those and they look know, pretty healthy and happy fine. to me. <laughs> so. so, and the one other thing I want to yes. say for listeners that yeah. if you're those lucky listeners, those few that have no problems with food and you're like yeah. my dad or one of the Doherty's that uh, in my family, all the Doherty's, they like have no weight issues. They're skinny. They have a salad every day for dinner. They have their dinner and they, they move on. They say, you know, they've been the same size waist their whole wow. life. Yeah, I definitely wow. don't understand. But <laughs> if you're one of those people and this podcast means absolutely nothing to you, it does because you probably have people in your life who are struggling with this. Yes. In fact, you do. You may not know it, but you do. And by you hearing this stuff and understanding, you're going to be able to help them Absolutely. so much more. Yeah. So even if this doesn't affect you and you're the lucky, lucky few, yeah. it affects everyone around you. Yep. And just be aware and be compassionate and understand that it's a struggle for people. And don't ever shame anybody. Yes. Don't ever try to Never. talk down to someone. I'm an anti-shamer. Yeah, no understand more. that this is more than meets the eye. And it's unfortunate because it's it's a an issue that is all about the eye. Oh, wow. So, you know, really just remember that. And just keep, help people with your own connection. Just be like, oh, hey, this is what works for me when before we go out for lunch tomorrow at noon, let's call each other at 11 and see if we're even hungry right. or if what we're hungry for. So I never book a place. I always say, hey, let's check in and connect. Yeah. So there you are giving permission for everyone to like 
check in and be available to like, what is like, oh, you know what? I'm not hungry. Do you care if we just get tea? And then all this relief, all this pressure of like, oh shoot, I have to go eat with them. And what are they going to think? And da, da, da. You can lead and be like, you know what? I, this is what works for me. Do you care if we have tea? And this is a very common thing. It's huge. It liberates the whole world. It's very common, especially in places that aren't sunshine 97% (laughs) of the time. I, I remember like moving away or going to college or whatever. And fitting in 18 people at lunch, dinner, breakfast, this, that. It was all revolving around going to eat. Well, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. So it's okay to say, uh, you know what? I'm not – I really don't want to eat lunch now. Why don't we go and walk around the mall? Yeah. Or let's go do something else. Grab a coffee. Because then we're all like – enabling each other's disconnect right too instead of like yeah. oh wait what what's can we check in and see what we need and it's just what a what an idea <laughs> what well, a concept i think I should make a program about that you should right you should do that. <laughs> so i think that you know what we're mm. we're leaving y'all mm. with today is to to remember balance and be Self-love. intuitive yeah and yeah. just be compassionate yeah it's, it's the things yeah. that you need to do when it mm. comes to this crazy world uh, and 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 how we manage ourselves eating our way through it <laughs> I, and I, I see a world of the me leading the vegans and the paleo diet nutritionists to have, to find more um uh compassion with their clients too yeah. that's what i see well, the world i see a roof where both of them are in there and we're all like wow I now understand it differently. We're bridging the gaps. We're bridging the gaps. Yeah. It's all about balance, people. Yeah. Balance, balance. Wow. All right, Heather. So you're so famous and you have to keep rolling. <laughs> so before you go, I have three questions. I always ask <gasps> everybody. Right. So first question is, tell me about a time in your life that you failed or you really screwed up. And then tell me how you think about that time now. Mm-hmm. How do I choose? How do I choose one <laughs> today, yesterday? I actually even said recently at, a, at like a conference, I was like, oh, if I don't wake up already know I'm failing, then that's that's a failure. Like I already like look at it with such a like, oh, I wonder how I'm going to mess it up today with trying to rebrand or well, it takes the power away of the failure. You're does. like, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. I'll deal with it. And then it's I'm not being too passive about it, but that's cool. I just thought of that. Um, Let's see. Let's say <laughs> probably the time. I felt the most hopeless and like I failed was I bought a boat with a yacht captain I fell in love with one day and then we broke up on the boat and I remember walking back to the boat. I left the bank and I didn't have enough money for the boat and I was just standing there like looking up going, what am I going to do now? Like everything I was just trying to build just (laughs) sank (laughs) from underneath me and then, um, and then I ended up, my mom supported me, got, you know, got the boat sorted. And I lived on a boat for four years after that. By the that. way, I met her, when I met her, she was living on a boat in the harbor in San Diego, yep. which was so Heather. You have no idea how Heather that is. And <laughs> even as we were breaking up, he's like, I swear this boat was meant for you. And I looked at him, I go, it was. And so this crazy failure of, you know, not being in love anymore, not having a home, not having enough money, um, turned into one of the most beautiful self-reflective four years of my life. Of your life yeah. Absolutely. Which I just said last night. I was like, oh, I wish you still had that boat because <laughs> we all do. It, it was, was really so, so cool. And <laughs> she was right by this venue. Um, what was it called? Humphreys. Yes. Yeah. And they had concerts, live all concerts, like huge names, so she could sit on her boat and look over at so these fun. concerts. It was pretty, pretty amazing. It was. Such an amazing experience, but I just couldn't keep myself afloat for the first few months. It was just so struggling, and I felt like such a loser. A friend gave me money to buy the toilet for the boat. Oh, my. <laughs> I paid her back. That's, that's um, but it was just she looked right. at me. Right, so you, I was this crying. whole time you were like, what did I do? I'm such a loser. And now loser. you look back and think, I'm so glad that happened. Four years of my life. Like, we still to this day, I was crying looking at her. She's like, what do you need? I'm like, I need a toilet for my boat. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so Hashtag just, things that Heather says. <laughs> so just when you fail, just take that moment of like, what's your first thing you need? Just even with our relationship with food, our relationship yeah. with life. Okay, what's the one thing I need right now? And right there, you're giving yourself that support and comfort yeah. versus like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to go find comfort somewhere else, right. which we all have to find that balance too. Well, this is why I asked that question because mm-hmm. I want people to re- remember that when you're in the middle of failure and of issues and things aren't going your way, I know it sucks. But at some point, the likelihood of you looking back Ugh. and thinking, well, that had to happen or this wouldn't have happened, which was good. Or... Of you looking back and thinking, well, I actually am glad that happened. Yeah. It's very high. 
Yeah. So just remember that. Yep. All right. I already know the answer to this. You guys probably already know the answer to this just from listening to her. But your perfect day is oh. it spent on the beach, <laughs> hiking a mountain, exploring a city, or building a snowman? Oh. Wasn't it ocean? Did you say ocean? Yeah, on a beach. Oh, oh sorry, beach. beach. Oh, duh, yeah. duh, duh. I was totally duh. like just yeah. so far. I was on. I just sailed to, from San Diego to Catalina. And That's I was how she there. Spent her Thanksgiving. <laughs> I yeah. was there. I was like, I don't even know what words he's saying. She's an ocean girl. I'm an ocean girl for sure. Like, again, the stranded Midwest mermaid. Yeah, like, she's a mermaid. seriously. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that was an easy one because I knew that. But the most important question what is your favorite theme song? Gilligan's Island. Oh, that's a good one. That's pulled out from the archives. Right? Um, I was driving up here. What day was that? Sunday. And I'm like, oh, I know he's going to ask me that. I have no idea. I'm over at a friend's house. He just got back from the Bahamas. And he goes, oh, guess what? Here's um, Gilligan's Island. He shows me a picture of what they used on the sitcom. And he was sailed to it. And I went, I looked at him, not even like, didn't care enough about the picture. I go, oh, you just gave me my perfect sitcom. Oh, I was totally wanting to be Ginger my whole life. I was just going to say, she she likes people that think she's Marianne. She's Ginger. (laughs) Guys, she walks around. She's like, I'm from Nebraska, blah, blah, blah. But inside, she's like. Movie star. star. <laughs> and I had this love. I was like, no, I'm Marianne. No, I'm Ginger. So you're oh, of right. course. You are. Yeah. You, it's, I went back uh, Depends on the day. But no, she is. She's a Marianne in the streets and a Ginger in the sheets, I think. <laughs> Put that out there. You heard Please. it here, folks. <laughs> All right. um, that's we, a that's we, a big advertisement. We should we should curb this and end this now. All right, Heather. Um, this is why we're friends. So you can follow along with Heather on her social media. Her handle for Instagram is Heather Don Fleming, like the so morning. At Heather Don Fleming, F L E M. I-N-G. Thank you. And then uh, her website? ConsciousNutrition.com. And it's the Conscious, C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S. Right. It's not conscience. Everybody spells it that way. ConsciousNutrition.com. And uh, look out for her uh, intuitive program. Intuitive Marian coming intuitive out. coming out in j- I think January. January 2nd. Yeah. We'll make sure yep. we uh, post something about it. Thank and you. Um, she does great videos cooking with Heather. Yes, she, my she, YouTube. Yeah, yep. on her YouTube. How do you see that? Heather Don Fleming. Heather Don Fleming yep. on YouTube. Yep. Um, and she's just a great person. So yeah. if you need help and you're struggling or... And you're make, done falling off and yeah. on. There's no such thing anymore. Let it go. Just you're not get, off or on. Get you're online. In. Get you're her info. It. And and I'm, I guarantee you won't uh, you won't be sorry. So Heather, thank you so much for coming. Thank you, MJ. I love you dearly, uh, and right back at I you. gotta let you go. Be your movie star, Ginger Self. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, make sure to hit subscribe and rate, review us, and follow along on social media at LLTF the Podcast. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun, and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money, and that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTFthepodcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTFthepodcast. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this traffic board aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailor and the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. The weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossing. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The minnow would be lost. The ships are ground on the shore of this uncharted desert island. With Gilligan, the skipper too. The millionaire and his wife. The movie star, the professor and Mary Ann. Here on Gilligan's Island.